0: Episode 23 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And this week, we will be discussing chapters 13 through 16 of FCE's The Rise of Kiyoshi. Now, before we start, we want to warn you that this podcast will be mentioning spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, and now Rise of Kiyoshi. However, you are free from any spoilers regarding the sequel novel, The Shadow of Kiyoshi, as well as any Avatar Universe comic books. So, Andre, how are we doing this week?
1: <laughs> hmm. Say it with me. President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. Madam
0: Vice President, baby. Oh, I'm so excited. That's
1: that's how I'm doing this week.
0: That was yesterday. We were recording the day after the inauguration. Uh, so, you know, hopefully in the future nothing blew up.
1: <laughs> yeah, I for some reason thought that the inauguration started at like 9 a.m. or something. I don't know why I thought this or where I got this impression, but I was up at 8:30 ready to go pre-gaming the inauguration. <laughs> and there was and they were just covering Orange Menace's departure from the White House. I'm like, Bye. "Wait, it's the first time I've watched an inauguration, so"
0: I heard a rumor that they left uh Barrett in the White House. <laughs> but I don't think they it's left the what? Barron, Trump's kid, <laughs> Trump and Melania's kid. Oh my kid. god. I heard a rumor. I don't think it's true, but you know, it would be very funny. <laughs>
1: He did. Very home alone. Very home yeah. alone.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. But yay, Trump's out of office. Huzzah. Did you watch the inauguration? Um, I rewatched it because I was sleeping when it actually happened. Uh <laughs> I was taking a <laughs> historical moment and I was taking a nap. <laughs> That's Um, fine, but I rewatched. I rewatched, you know, Biden gets, you know, Biden and Harris getting sworn in. I rewatched Lady Gaga singing the national anthem because that was also an important moment in history as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I (laughs) rewatched the important parts. But um, you know, I'm pretty sure if my dad were listening to this podcast, he'd be a little disappointed in me for not paying attention during a historical event. I'm like, the last like year has been one big historical event. Like,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, we said it last week. When you're living through a historical event every day. It gets a little tiring, and I was watching it, and I was like, "This is so boring." Yeah, and it's so reassuring. Yeah, because this is how these things should be. Exactly, they should be boring. The most exciting you know? thing
0: that should happen at inauguration is Beyonce lip syncing the national anthem, but that was that was twenty twelve. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was great. It was great. It
0: was. It's. It was nice to have something boring. Yeah,
1: and can I just say, Biden really saved my ass by extending that freeze on the student loan oh, uh, stuff. Yes, because I was gonna have to start paying um, in a couple of days, but now I don't have to worry about it until September, Yay. which is great because I am not employed <laughs> oh. and I have no money. So I was like in the process of seeing how I can defer my. My payments, but I can. have a couple more months to figure that out. So
0: I celebrated my birthday this past week too. Uh, oh, on that's 19th. right. I am a, I am a year older, and I you know yay twenty two baby Taylor Swift. Here. How did you spend it? Um, eating leftover cake and pizza. Okay, that's what I did. I still have cake right next to me, which I will probably eat during uh, during class in an hour. Uh, it's like. <laughs> Just on Zoom, just eating rainbow cake. It's rainbow cake my stepmom made me, so it's gotta be it's gotta be a gay cake, right? So right, I had course. this bright rainbow cake. I'll send you a picture later. It was gorgeous. Um it was gorgeous before we cut it. It's still pretty to look at now, but you know, not quite as pretty. But it's delicious and that's the most important
1: part. <laughs> <laughs> well happy belated birthday thank you
0: thank you
1: all right so before we start the discussion we just wanted to let you know that if you are enjoying the podcast and you want more content beyond just a weekly episode then consider subscribing to us on patreon for various monthly donations, we're offering special shout-outs on the air, as well as exclusive access to stuff like video recordings of us recording the podcast, early access to our episode scripts so you can see what we plan on talking about week to week, and of course, early release ad-free episodes of Avatar Hour. So join us on patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast.
0: So, chapter 13, adaptation. Uh, we cut to Jinju, who has returned to the estate. He survived Kiyoshi going into the Avatar estate and going apeshit all over the entire valley that they were in um you know for obvious reasons you know we know that Jinju is kind of a piece of shit uh so he returns to the estate which is now kind of chaotic because Kiyoshi and Rongi both left uh which well he doesn't know that Rongi left but he interrogates the servants on where Kiyoshi is and then he gets to the estate to find Heiron who is uh you know can remember, she's Rangi's mom. He tells his version of events, which is that, you know, you know that young Song were killed by a vengeful spirit, even though they were both their deaths were both his fault. Uh, Kiyoshi hates him now and is gone. And also, by the way, Kiyoshi's the avatar, in case you all forgot that. Um, Ron then slaps him, which honestly, it's definitely less than what he deserved after what he did. But, you know, what? it's nice that someone finally slapped him. <laughs>
1: she basically was like how could you have fucked this up so bad uh and i mean
0: she doesn't quite say it but he said but he kind of says in like the chapter kind of describes that he like everything she wanted to say was like in the slab
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: um oh and by the way she doesn't know that rongi ran off with kiyoshi uh so she summons a servant servant to go find rongi and Rongy, and the servant's like yeah rongi ran off with kiyoshi like they're they're gone uh, Jinju is as cool as a fucking cucumber and he says this line before you hit me again I believe whatever Rongi does is your fault not mine
1: I <laughs> just like <laughs> no wonder these people had such a um, rocky relationship with each other when Kurik was alive
0: like <laughs> It's, there's some actually like pretty funny lines in these sections, in these next couple of sections, like sassy lines. Like I've written down a couple of them, but that's like one of my favorites right now. I'm like, you're a piece of shit, but you made me laugh. (laughs) Uh, um, Jinji then tries to reassure her that he or she will be safe with Bronki, to which Heyron replies like, dude, she's an elite warrior. She knows how to escape and avoid capture. Like it's not going to be easy to find them. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: and then Heyron just takes a second and processes what the fuck just happened because again, that's a lot of news for someone to take in. Uh, we we've, we've known for the last couple of chapters what happened, but for someone who did not see the things, you know, who wasn't a reader or wasn't in, you know, a character in that scene, that's a lot to take in. So then she says, like, uh, Jinju, Kelsang dead. Our friend is dead, and instead of mourning him, we're standing here plotting how to maintain our grip on the avatar. What happened to us? What have we become? And then Ginger replies, "We've grown old and become responsible," is what I'm like. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Like that. I don't know. That, that that part really stuck out to me right there. Um. And then she just immediately just starts going into more planning. Just you know, just glossing over the fact that their friend is dead. He killed him. But you know, no, she doesn't. Uh, you know, Hey Ron
1: doesn't know that. Uh, I'm really hoping we get some sort of. Some more insight about what exactly happened with Kirk. Yeah, because it's it's like that that thing with yun and the ink in his hand. Like it keeps getting mentioned that they were irresponsible and they influenced Kirk in the in the wrong ways. I'm just like,
0: okay, okay. Where's the and... flashback? Like I
1: want I want like more details about that.
0: Well, I guess it's a good thing keeps us you know keeps us on our toes. Oh, it keeps is a good waiting. thing. I'm just like, I still I'm like for... I I don't need sleep. I need answers. Uh. <laughs> So then uh, Jinju starts planning again to try to find Kyoshi. He's like, oh, you know, once the once the world finds out who she who uh, the avatar really is, like, yeah, my reputation will take a hit. But you know what? As long as she's under my roof and following my orders, it's all going to work out. And he's like, just casually, oh, my reputation will take a hit. Dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's like no emotion. It's weird. It's just
0: like
1: just, no.
0: I mean, like, I thought, if, like, when that first part of that sentence, when I read it, I was like, okay, Gray. I, I mean, great. I guess he doesn't care about his illustrious reputation. And then he wants to make sure that the world's balanced, which you know it's still what you know he wants. But then, mm-hmm. as soon as he said, "Oh, as long as she's under my control again, it's gonna be fine," I'm like, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>
0: "Like, there's a lot yeah. going on in that sentence." Um, and then he asked... Can, "Oh, oh yeah, sorry, can
1: we just? I I just want to say, can we appreciate how um multifaceted Jinju is yeah. becoming as a character?" I still, hate I him, but, really know, enjoy. He's yeah, yeah, I know that that he's like the antagonist, but he is incredibly layered like and it's like very on par for a good avatar villain yeah like it's like and there's more stuff that happens in this chunk of chapters that corroborates this but i'm gonna say it again i think fce really has dialed in to what is great about avatar like i think he watched avatar and he's like, like i know exactly probably. how to keep <laughs> this going yeah
0: like several times like that is like there's i mean like here's like what i would really like about these chapters that there's definitely i mean like i mean for even the previous chapters but just for these in particular there's a lot mm. of beats that call back to avatar i mean fantastic antagonist of course but there's like certain beats that not that, like, obviously, there's references to the series because duh it takes place in the same universe, but it's just nice to see the uh, you know, that this kind of like connections between the series and the book. It, I appreciate that yeah. very much,
1: and also how he talks about himself in such a a, a strictly political sense mm-hmm. reminds me of like a worse and more dangerous president, Raikou.
0: Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that.
1: I just got that vibe, like, he's very much like me, my reputation, my politics, my standing in the world, you know. Yeah,
0: he reminds me of, like, a mix of, like, Long Feng and, like, a um, mix with President Raika. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So then Jinju asks uh, Heiron to write a letter because he needs a Fire Nation stamp on this message to a Professor Shaw, who is the head of zoology at Ba Singsei University, asking for specimens from his latest expedition because they're cute and uh, apparently she wants, like, the, the story is that she wants to display them as a part of a goodwill tour between the Earth and Fire Nation's. Now, what cute and cuddly animals? You might ask. Sure, shoes. Mm-hmm. Now, in case y'all don't remember, a sure shoe is the animal that the bounty hunter June rode in season one of uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. It's a track, you know, an animal that tracks like super, super well with by scent, and can find anyone from miles away. Uh, Zuko hired, you know, June and you know, to use the sure shoe to find Aang. So
1: great way to tie in the original series
0: absolutely and as soon as they said as soon as she says they said sure shoes, i'm like damn it <laughs> like <laughs> yeah and that ends chapter 13 uh chapter 14 the introduction there's a lot is there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of introductions in this chapter uh, i've got a couple of new characters but we'll meet them later so the chapter opens with uh, Kiyoshi in a nightmare trying to str- struggling to open a metal box. Uh, someone tells her not to force it because it'll break. and there's, she's a guy there's a guy with this person who said not to break the box and he's wearing this red and white makeup. Hmm. Mm-hmm. wink, wink, nudge nudge. Uh, suddenly the box gets hot and Kiyoshi drops it and the man with the makeup wipes his face and it turns into Jinju's. So you know nightmare stuff going on here.
1: So this this metal box thing. Yeah. I was I wasn't quite following what was happening.
0: Neither. I mean it's a nightmare. Not it's not much makes sense in a nightmare, but I'm sure eventually it will make sense.
1: <laughs> I know, but narratively, like, is it like a yeah. metaphor for something like? Also when it said metal box and she was like struggling to open it, my mind was like, just metal bend it and I was like, Oh wait
0: <laughs> I'm like, wait, metal bending's not gonna be invented for another like three hundred something years.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh the red and white makeup that the guy that the man in her dream had, uh, you know, i don't know it's definitely that sounds a little important don't you think uh and then of course metal box so we definitely keep those add those to like the you know metaphorical pins that we're putting in of like let's put a pin in that and go back to that Mm -hmm. later like the ink on uh yun's hand the you know all that stuff lots of pins to deal with later uh kiyoshi's then woken up by ronki uh ronki spots uh is scouting um They scout Port Chameleon Bay uh, on Pengpeng before they land. Uh, And Rangi points out this place called Madame Kuiji's Tea House. Uh, We find that the port, once they land, is pretty much a slum. As they're walking Mm. through to get to this tea house, uh, Rangi remarks that people shouldn't have to live like this. And then Kiyoshi replies that they can and they do. Uh, Rangi then says that she knows about Kiyoshi's abandonment as a child, and that's why Rangi was always pushing her to fight back when people treated her like shit. Uh, so, you know, more character development going on here.
1: Yeah, I was looking at... Oh, okay. Because I, I was like, I know we've heard of Chameleon Bay, but have we seen it? And in season two, at the very end, the small water tribe camp that uh, Saka meets his father at, that's where the camp is in Chameleon Bay. Oh, wow.
0: I didn't even know that. Yeah. I didn't, I, didn't see I was that. like, I
1: knew we, I knew we heard it at somewhere else at some point. Yeah. But I don't know if we actually went to it, but we did. So that's cool.
0: Details, love it. Um, Kiyoshi then tries changing the subject, uh, which I thought was a pretty interesting exchange between Kiyoshi and Rangi. Uh, she tries changing the subject and asks, you know, Rangi if the. Uh, and fire nation's prosperity is so great then that it gets shared with every citizen and then Rongi says no but one day it could be now i had two different thoughts of like what you know Rangi's talking about i'm not sure if, whether that was something that's to be like optimistic about or pessimistic about because at first glance it read like something sozin said about sharing the fire nation's greatness with the world by colonizing it um uh, so oh, i had yeah. i saw that two ways of like Sozen's way of doing things, but, all, or, and then like the more optimistic way of like, you know, eventually we'll get, but be- like, a fire nation will get better and we'll treat it, c- treat our citizens better. Like, what do you think? Cause like, I don't know why that line stuck, it just stuck with me.
1: It did stick with me only because of what happens with the fire nation later on in history. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like prosperity, I don't know if she means like economic prosperity or just, general quality of life because like I mean the fire nation at least how we see it in avatar I mean there isn't I mean there are like social classes but everyone seems to be living like a pretty well like the quality of life is like pretty okay in the fire nation like it's nowhere near like the the lower level of bossing. say but also we don't we don't see it a whole lot so i don't really know but it is really a lot like um like when rangi says people shouldn't have to live like this it's very like you know she's been living in one part of the world and she sees another part and she's like it's not the same as as what i'm used to my world like it's when you go to high school to college you Mm -hmm. know like, you think you, you your experiences are universal and then you go meet a bunch of people who have not had the same life and you're like, oh shit, you know
0: mm-hmm. exactly exactly it was it's it's just funny when like how we like find like small bits of dialogue character development dialogue we're able to have like conversations like this about it. I love it
1: yeah it's it's he he really he says it in really well. And you never feel like we're, like, stopping the story just to have a bit of character development. No. Like, this is happening as they're making their way through the town, which is a a very organic way to have this kind of conversation. Exactly.
0: Um, so Rangi and Kiyoshi reach uh, Madame Kuiji's tea house, and they find an old man sleeping in front of the entrance. He wakes up and asks who they are, and then uh, Kiyoshi and Rangi hand him some coins. Uh, if like the book reads, if the instructions in her journal were correct, she and Rangi wouldn't have any need for money once they were inside. So that definitely, you know, raised an eyebrow for me.
1: She also calls this man grandfather. I don't know if that's a term of like respect. I think it is. Or. Okay.
0: Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's like a term of respect. Uh, I guess it's a different way. a you know, different way of saying sir. Maybe I don't know. Especially I figured because Wrongy
1: didn't have her. didn't have a reaction to it, so I was like, yeah. oh, I guess it's just a term of respect. Yeah, especially yeah. for an older gentleman
0: like this person, which we'll, we'll we'll learn more about him later. Uh, so they go into the tea shop, which is looks it's like kind of halfway through the construction. It's either like it's either fallen apart or they just gave up halfway through make for through building it. Um, so they sit right by this fancy pie show board, which is the fanciest thing in the room, as described, um, and which, of course, the pie show board makes Kyoshi think of. Uh, they think of Yun. Um, but before she can really think more, um, this pissed off boy comes over to them and asks them what they'd like to drink. So she says, "Jasmine picked in fall, scented at noon, and steeped at a boil." uh so obviously that's a code because Kyoshi like said like thinks that such a combination didn't exist or if it did it would have tasted like liquid disaster uh codes i love codes it's so cool um and then he replies this uh he replies kind of like reluctantly but he gives the reply that she wants and he says we have every color blossom known to man and spirit and then she replies that red and white will suffice so he's not you know Clearly, he's not very happy about the response that she gave back. Uh, And then he gets pissed off and yells at the old man, who we now know as Lauga. That's the name of the uh, old man.
1: Is this, like, the first, like, beginnings of the Order of the White Lotus?
0: I didn't even think about that.
1: Oh, my God. Well, because it was like, it was like. Was was there a um, code
0: for. That's right. There was a code
1: for. It wasn't that, but but there was. There was a code. No, it was very much like, you know, abandoned tea house pie show board in a code. I was like, I feel like this is pretty right. White lotusy. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if somewhere along the line, I'm going to make a prediction. Okay, go for it. I think the Dafe are going to become the early members of the Order of the White Lotus. I think Kiyoshi is going to reform them. Because, I mean, like, the way the story is going, jumping ahead a little bit, but the way the story is going, the Dafe are p- playing a pretty huge part in... in um bringing up the new avatar and we know that that's their role later on in the universe so i don't know i feel like there's something going on there
0: definitely i didn't even think about that i mean i don't i mean i don't think there's any coincidence i mean the in the avatar universe there are no coincidences you know like yeah i think True. that's a little that's a little too like on the nose to be ignored on the nose, and like it, that's not a bad thing to be on the nose mm-hmm. with it. But I appreciate that 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 detail, though. Now, like that makes it just more enriching, and yeah, that's really cool Details. I could be
1: completely wrong, but I, that's just the first impression I got. No,
0: I think it's a really, I think it's a pretty sound prediction right there. So the boy goes back to the to the kitchen, and he brings out backup along with the the drink uh, because Kyo turns out Kiyoshi and Rangi are in a Daofe hideout in case y'all couldn't figure that out uh and he's pissed that their stranger strangers rattling off these older codes and also the fact that uh rangi is pretty much a dead giveaway army brat so you know uh but they're about to attack them and then kiyoshi managed to earthbend a foundation of the tea house so that definitely throws him off for a bit um kiyoshi then says that she hates the Daofe and she demands that she wants them because she wants their help because you know they, she's interested in them because they're bound to their outlaw code. And then she whips out the metal fan, uh, which uh, Lauga immediately rec- recognizes as uh, something that belonged to this person named Jessa, who is Kiyoshi's mother. Uh, the boy asks where she got it, and she said she inherited them from her parents. So Jessa and Hark, we now have names for Kiyoshi's parents. And then she reveals that her parents had founded this particular group of Daufei, which is, you know, plot twist you know big reveal yeah lots of reveals Big reveal. <laughs> um the boy the then recomposes himself and then tells him yeah go get your story straight and then ronki's like yeah we got to get our story straight like isn't like really kiyoshi didn't tell me this it sounds kind of important yeah <laughs> um and then you no know, cut to later kiyoshi's like what i already explained that my parents were daofei and abandoned me that's what got us in here uh, you know, and then Rocky's like the family. So Rocky says that her family issue isn't the problem. It's the fact that uh, she played this whole situation with the Dalph as aggressively as she did.
1: <laughs> like, yeah.
0: But, I mean, especially think about like the Kiyoshi that we saw at the beginning of the book, where she couldn't even, you know, but she didn't stand up for herself when people were stole that jar of what was it like, you know, stole stole that jar from the her. kelp. So yeah, like you know, just the difference already. Like, we're not even like I think we're what like ha- almost halfway through the book
1: ish? yeah something like we're that. we're about halfway through but, the book
0: and we see a very different kiyoshi like you know dealing with confrontation
1: yeah for sure and i i also don't i feel like this kind of reads as like um you know it might have worked this time but the next time Kyoshi tries this approach it's not going to work as well no. um but also i mean like rongi was the one at the beginning of the book being like you need to stand up for yourself like you need to be more aggressive and then here she's like, mm, but not like, not like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. Um, Ronke says has a cool line. She reminds her that we're not in our element.
0: You might have the keys to certain doors, but this is not our house. So again, yeah. cool line. Cool line. Uh so then we meet the backup that was going to attack them, because they all introduced themselves formally. So we got flitting Sparrow Keith Wong, who's uh a who's an, uh sorry, he's an earthbender. Uh, we got Karima who is a waterbender. And then the boy, the pissed off boy that served them, his name is uh his name's Leck. Uh he calls himself Bullet Leck or Skull Crusher Leck or Leck of the Whistling Death. So just Leck.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, just Lek. And like. Yeah, basically kiyoshi just tried not to like, you know, make a face when he says it. Like they describes so her that she does not she tried not to imitate the same facial expressions that his uh comrades were making when he introduced himself under those goofy ass names.
1: Uh so it's very Milo,
0: isn't it? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> I didn't even think <laughs> about that.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: uh so kiyoshi introduces herself and rongi and then they launch into her backstory uh once you know lex says well Jess and hark would never do that to family they'd never abandon their family and then karima tells like lec to shut up which you know i i, I just kind of judging like, the first glance i'm like yep this guy kind of needs to be shut, told to shut up a little more often uh yeah but Kiyoshi then says that she kept her parents' gear a secret because the townsfolk probably would have disliked her even more if they found out that she was the spawn of criminals. And I think that's her words, spawn of criminals.
1: Yeah. Uh, spawn of criminals is the title to my new YA novel. I love that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so She says that she came to the Daofei to get revenge on Jinju. Now, she doesn't call him by name because, you know, if his name gets out, you know, especially considering his illustrious reputation, uh, you right. know, that would get more people on their scent.
1: Um, Which I mean is smart, but also isn't her giving away her own name just as prone to liability? Like, what if what if Jinju puts out a? She's still a servant. Yeah. What if Jinju puts out like an APB and be like, oh, like Kiyoshi, I need this person to come back, and she's, I don't know, maybe, I don't know maybe that'll, should've... maybe
0: that'll come up. You know. Yeah. Uh. So. Uh, like then says sadly that her parents are dead and she's like yeah i don't care like it's not it's not a big sad reveal for me i don't care that they're dead uh and well, then, but she like, also <laughs> is
1: like visibly relieved because yeah. she's like thank god i don't have to meet them exactly you know? you're
0: like mm, that's rough buddy uh and so then like gets pissed at this he's like how could you disrespect your parents like that and she's like i'd love i love this line from her she has so many like you know sassy moments in this in this section she's like they left me behind because i took up too much cargo space so i would say that's a family tradition damn yeah (laughs) it's amazing what bitterness can do to a person makes them sarcastic and
1: cue the shade sound effect from drag race (laughs) it wouldn't be a gay podcast without of course course. (laughs) some drag race sound effects (laughs)
0: uh wong then says that they've been cut off by gangs in other cities because of crackdowns on smuggling so basically this is all they got they got this this group of four people you know
1: yeah th- that's it
0: they don't have an army uh and then Rongi's like yeah we should just get out of here there's nothing really much we can do here uh and then lex like y'all flew here like his ears like pretty much perk up And then Karima smells an opportunity and she's like, being Jess and Hart's kid provides you with protection, uh, but it's not we're going to follow your orders or anything unless you do something for us. So you got a sky bison, you know, we'd like to use that sky bison to do heists and shit. So, you know, here we go. We can work together on this. Uh, So Mm -hmm. now Kiyoshi's got a choice to make. It's a tough choice, but she's got to make it fast because the popo are coming. They got the police. You got the, the police are after them, you know. Yeah. And that's where the chapter ends, on the cliffhanger with the popo coming. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very graceful. All right, we'll see you guys after the outbreak. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. All right, let's get into chapter 15, Escape. So this chapter is just one big action set piece. There's a lot going on. So if I miss something, I do apologize in advance. But I think I've got the big beats that we want to talk about. Um, so a constabulary police force enters the tea house and the police captain places Kiyoshi, Rangi, and the three Dafe under arrest in the name of Governor Dang. So, Dang? Someone who Kiyoshi... I'm sorry. Dang. <laughs> someone who Kiyoshi realizes has close ties to Jinju. Um, so the police are like, you know, put down your weapons and Kiyoshi re- realizes that she's the only one that has a weapon. Um, she has one fan out, and she needs to stand up to get the other one. So she she stands up, and because she's so tall, the police receive this as a threat, and they start to attack them. And I'm just like, "Yep, damn, <laughs> very uh, Her power. just by being well, tall." <laughs> that well, that, but also like, where have we heard that before? Yeah. Like the police perceiving a threat when there is none. Exactly. You know what I mean very subtle. Um a fight breaks out and we found uh, we find out Lauga and the Dalfade that Kyoshi is throwing in with are a team of very capable benders and Kiyoshi even compares Karima's water bending water bending agility to Tagaka's at some point. Um she does she does something? She like freezes wine and, and around the the police or something. It's really cool.
0: also Wang eats Lauga at the at a police officer, which made me crack up. He throws just straight oh, eats yeah. him at a police officer, Uh and the lion says that Lauga's warlike screech as he flew through the air was the only sign that he agreed to the. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's very funny. I don't know why. I I want to know how you're imagining Lauga because I'm imagining um, like. You've seen Aladdin, right? Yes. Do you know Jafar's disguise?
0: Yes, that's exactly who I was picturing. Really? Yeah.
1: Well, at the beginning of the movie where he's like disguised as that as that old man with like the, the teeth and the laugh and everything. And like, that's who I'm imagining. That is
0: exactly who I'm <laughs> imagining as well. And I'm just imagining. That's
1: so funny. Yeet, <laughs> just
0: screaming it, just screaming old man, just flying towards <laughs> i love that, um, that it, can, it doesn't like it, it's funny during the it can be funny during these some of these set pieces oh yeah. like i mean it's like i mean it's again just like the show there's you know not every single action set piece is this super dramatic thing there's also plenty of humor and i love that so anyway, yeah carry on so
1: the crew escapes from the back of the tea house and rongi leads them to, to ping ping uh, but as they attempt to escape earthbender police bend a giant wall to block their path however this doesn't stop the three dafe as Wong lek uh Wong and lek they dust step and karima missteps which is essentially using thin steps of their element to climb over the wall which is so, so cool. they're literally they're bending like thin platforms either of earth and water to get over the wall, and I'm like, oh this, my god, that never, is so cool. We've never
0: seen bending like that before. Like that's so. I don't think we've seen any bending like that, have we? We've,
1: we've. Well, Jinju kind of did it in the the chapters. Uh-huh. Um, but I mean, but a I mean, couple like in other
0: forms of Avatar media that we've seen already.
1: Oh, oh yeah, no, we've. I don't think we've we've seen much like this. And it, just, it was really cool. I also love um, this one
0: line, though. It's like, no one had t- taken into consideration that Kiyoshi could not do that. She expressly, with utmost certainty, could not do that. That made me snorting yeah. when I read that.
1: <laughs> yeah. And she tries. She tries to replicate the, the technique, but she fails pretty quickly. And instead, she opts to just ram through the wall with bending. If she couldn't be a and... creature
0: of grace, then she'd be a battering ram. Another line yeah. from the
1: book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and it says at one point that she's just, like, reflexively bending the earth around her to, like, kind of, like, protect her, but she, there, at one point she, like, looks back and she sees, like, a Kiyoshi-sized hole in the wall. I just thought it was really funny. It's,
0: it's, like, both, it's like, cartoonish. I love it. It's oh, very me.
1: tense, but also very funny. I really enjoy it. Um, And then... Uh, Rangi is basically shooting up, begins of fire blast into the air to let her know where she is. Which, like, you know, it's the army thing coming in. Like, she's very tactical in that way. Um, but during this whole sequence, I was like, okay, chase scene in the middle of a village. Where's Cabbage Guy? <laughs> I was like, I, it, it's gotta happen, but it doesn't end up happening. Was there, there
0: was a, there was, there was a cabbage reference though. A couple chapters ago, wasn't there? Like someone was in, selling like the, cabbages. In like the first like, couple of chapters, at, like the estate, yeah. someone was selling cabbages. Uh, but yeah, it's something a, like a that. Cabbage reference, but you know, <laughs> that, I would have liked another. <laughs> I'd like some yeah, lovely... I was like, all right, like, any sorry, moment I'd now.
1: Like some... <laughs> so then, there's this moment where Kiyoshi watches Rongi um, sort of flitting atop the rooftops, and I just want to read. It's a pretty big chunk, but I just want to read it. Because, damn, is this gay. So, Rongi had joined the Daufei on their level. She ran as nimbly as they did on the roof tiles, and when there was a leap too great to make naturally, she stepped on jets of fire that blasted out of her feet, bounding in propulsive arcs across the sky. The sight made Kiyoshi's breath come to a standstill and the very time she needed it flowing. Range was so beautiful, illuminated by moon and fire, that it hurt. She was strength and skill and determination wrapped around an unshakable heart. And Kiyoshi also says something about how there was a struggle in her chest that had nothing to do with how hard she was running. Notes of longing and fear played in one chord. She tamped the feeling down, not wanting to confront what it meant right now.
0: Yay. I love this. This is so
1: good. Oh Not only God. is it beautifully written, I j- I'm just really enjoying the slow burn that is this love story. Like it's like slowly unfolding I'm gonna, in very subtle ways.
0: I'm gonna get a, like a bottle of champagne to pop when like they when they do eventually. God, I hope they do. With if they if, if the ship sails, I'm popping champagne somehow. I don't know how to do it, but I'll make it happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just it's just, really good just
0: ugh, it's so satisfying it's so good i'm just i'm just i'm just very excited to see gay okay and just <laughs> and beautifully written gay even better
1: <laughs> so um when the crew gets to ping ping uh karima mentioned that jessa kiyoshi's mother also owned a sky bison and it's revealed that not only was jessa an airbender it also makes kiyoshi half air nomad
0: rogue air nomad that's so cool
1: though which is interesting which explains the war fans which I just never considered that that could be an airbender thing. I don't know why. Like it feels it feels pretty obvious, but I just never considered it. Um and it's a it, we we get an explanation about how the war fans play into it later. Um but Kiyoshi notices that like with every single revelation about her past, it it's hurting Ronki because she feels like she she like doesn't know her friend anymore, you yeah. know what I mean? Um and it it's it just I think it goes a long way to add depth and empathy to kiyoshi's character because I mean even though she is again this whole thing in Avatar is like even though they are this this giant uh being in the universe as the Avatar they are still human you know and they still have emotions um, we're just full so of I thought that was this
0: chapter it's just one hour after the other it was like oh we I remember we was like oh I hope we learn more about her parents mm. well here's our fucking answer. <laughs>
1: Right and it's it's also a very um relatable thing. I feel like we've all had at some point in our lives like our uh, something comes out about our, our past and whether it's like good or bad, and our friends our friends like get a little like hurt that they didn't know that about you or something, mm-hmm. like it feels like they were keeping it from you or something yeah, um yeah, very relatable um so they manage to escape and make camp. most of the crew falls asleep pretty quickly uh until only Lauga and kiyoshi are left. Kiyoshi approaches him and tells him that she knows who he is. He is Tiagué, the immortal. And Lauga apparently was behind the assassination of the 40th Earth King and also behind the murders of other people in in the Earth Kingdom. And she said that in, in the journal that her parents gave her, it said, like, look for someone with, like, a crutch. And she realized that as she was running away from the tea house, Lauga was basically, like... Earth bending small platforms of earth to kind of like throw himself around in these really unnatural ways. Um, and she sort of like pieced it together that that's who he is. And so he asks if she's going to turn him in, but instead Kiyoshi asked him to teach her how to kill someone. Which I was like,
0: damn. <laughs> Which
1: he just says, you know, just slam a giant rock against someone's head. Uh, but Kiyoshi says that bending and killing are not the same thing. And Laga says that she's already learned the first lesson. And agrees to t- train her in earthbending if and when the time is right. So Kiyoshi promises to keep his identity a secret, and in return, he said he will keep hers.
0: Well, oh, he did say that her spirit is like a typhoon the size of like Bossing said, like her spirit's very loud. So he mm. definitely has a spirituality for sure. Yeah,
1: very interesting character. He it's I love the trope of seeming of a seemingly like down on his luck character. That actually turns out to be this very capable and very, um he like, a giant reputation behind the character. Like, I love that trope. Too, I love it. Me too. All right. Chapter 16, The Agreement. So, Kiyoshi worries that her avatar status is becoming too wide known between uh, Tagaka and Lauga, And says, if every old person could look into her eyes that deduce she had unusual power or was the avatar, then she'd be in trouble. And it would become harder and harder to keep herself hidden from Jiju. Um. So she's woken up by Rangi, who informs her that she intends to start training her in firebending. Though it becomes quickly evident that this is just Rangi's subtle way of getting back at her for harboring all those secrets. <laughs> it's so- like a strength
0: and conditioning coach. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> so just to like put this this whole section into context. I mean, this is a pretty like harmless r- thing for Rangi to do. But like, do you think it's like fair for her to act in this way?
0: Uh, sh- I think. I mean, she is teaching her. She is actually teaching her something. Um, I mean, It's harmless, and I kind of don't blame her a little bit for I mean, it's not, It's a harmless way. I mean, yeah, Kyoshi's going to be very sore the next morning from all that training, <laughs> but all in all it, it is in the end kind of helping Kiyoshi, but also it's like, mm. you know, I mean, there's worse things that Rangi could do, right?
1: <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, in an attempt to smooth things over, uh, Kyoshi elaborates more on her past to, you know, try to, like, you know, kind of kind of say she's sorry. Um, so she tells Rangi that her mother, Jessa, was born a nun in the Eastern Air Temple who became a master at a very early age until she met Hark, her father, who was an earthbender daofei who convinced her to partake in his business and Jessa quickly fell into the market of the underworld um this is really interesting because she quickly rose through the ranks but it came at the cost of her airbending so because her life was so at odds with the typical spirituality of an airbender she had to use the war fans to help aid her airbending <laughs> and i didn't put this in the doc but it also said at some point that she like tattooed over her arrows her airbending tattoos which i don't know i read that and i was like oh <gasps> Like scandal, <laughs> I was like, stuff was like she painted. It, she I put don't like know why, serpents, but it's like I think it
0: was over her airbender tattoos.
1: Yeah, it's like that is like the height of being sacrilegious. Yeah. I feel like as an airbender, you know what I mean? Exactly.
0: I'm just excited. I know, as I... I mean, like I love that there's a backstory for the fans, like why the fans in the first place, and I am yeah. just excited to see how they work in combat. We do get a little taste of it like, how the fans work and stuff like that with, uh mm-hmm. you know, with Later, but it's, I'm just excited to have, like, how the fans can help more. I mean, we've seen the Kiyoshi Warriors use the fans, but, like, I'm just excited to see, you know, how it is now with the fans.
1: I just, I just, I'm really loving this combination of earthbending and airbending. Yeah, Because, I mean, like, not only does it mirror her her parents, but um, it's that, you know, it's that thing of all of the elements informing each other and working in balance like I, I mean we hear uncle iroh talk about how it's really important to also understand the the techniques and the forms of the other elements because they all relate to each other in some way so it's it's even though the world is sick sectioned off into four elements they all inform each other which i think is really cool so yeah i'm interested to see how these how these war fans come into play yes um rongi makes her promise to never throw her life away for a boy (laughs) and when kiyoshi asks who could be worth that she remembers kelson and young and is disgusted with herself Mm -hmm. at the fact that she forgot about her friends even for a split second and she considers it unforgivable and i was reading this and i personally don't have any experience with like grief but i know a lot of people who have had that experience of like not thinking about that person for even a second and being incredibly guilty because you're thinking that you're just forgetting about them. So I thought this was a really interesting and realistic way of thinking for someone who is processing grief. Absolutely.
0: Um, I mean, as someone who's, uh, I mean, I lost my cousin when he was 21 years old uh, and I was 16 and like, that was really, really hard. Uh, And that was just, that was something I was constantly scared of was forgetting uh Mm -hmm. and yeah that's something i definitely had to work through a lot but i could definitely say that is a i guess someone who's experienced that kind of grief yeah absolutely
1: yeah it's really interesting um it's a very nice touch um she tells rangi she's ready to make flames uh but rangi says that she is too tense and that she needs to master mental coordination first and she has this really good line of early lessons in firebending are all about suppressing flame and keeping it controlled for a beginner making visible fire means failure and i immediately thought of Aang. i immediately thought of ang um it's a very like similar situation where he wants to make fire but you know jong jong is like no you need to master breathing first you mm-hmm. know so uh, thankfully it doesn't go as disastrously as Aang's. um she tries to do it anyway and she only manages to produce like a puff of black smoke um and before she and wonge could argue lek interrupts them and informs them that breakfast is ready um and he also thinks that it was like Ronge who made that that smoke, and she like kind of has to go along with it yeah. cuz you know they're trying to keep the avatar thing a secret. Mm-hmm. Um so Lek makes some remark about he didn't how about how he didn't think that Rangi and Kiyoshi would be interested in, in eating this, some sort of burnt like rat thing for breakfast. Um and Kiyoshi makes some remark about how she literally used to eat garbage and that at the end of the day the people that let her starve weren't as bad as the people who left her. And Lek like throws his breakfast in the fire and storms off and Kiyoshi's like what's his problem like I don't I don't understand and um Karima tells Kiyoshi that Kiyoshi's parents took Lek in after they found him alone in a town outside the Misty Palms Oasis after his brother died and because of this Lek subsequently idolized them which is why he takes offense to Kiyoshi's constant uh disdain over them and I'm reading this I'm like I feel like Kyoshi has even, even more reason yeah. to hate them well, because they took in this random kid. kid. And yeah, he did need help. But this was after but, they oh, just let kid. Kiyoshi to starve. Like, say, yeah. Kiyoshi
0: says in the chapter, uh, like, says, sarcastically apologizes, Like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll remember to be nicer to the boy my mother and father decided to raise instead of me. I mean, yeah, damn, Kiyoshi must be getting better at firebending because that was a burn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's like, I was like, Initially had that reaction of being like, "Man, they really suck," but it it plays more into like, I feel like we still don't know the real reason they had to leave. Kind Yoshi. of like, kind of like
0: uh, Avatar Kurok, too, with like how with his behavior, you know, like there's both like a lot of mystery behind their both of those people's choices, you know.
1: Yeah, and I, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, again, I feel like it's that thing of like, I don't. I think they must have had an unavoidable reason. To not be able to keep Kiyoshi with them. Because I mean. Apart from being terrible people. Why else would they just take in this random person. Mm-hmm. Again I know he was in need. Mm-hmm. And he was a boy. But what about your actual daughter. That you left to starve mm-hmm. you know. So I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Um, So Kiyoshi says that she wants them to train her. The dafe. Uh, since they are the only benders who aren't on Juju's radar uh karima asks why she would need a waterbending master to which kiyoshi kiyoshi answers that wisdom can be learned from every nation um and she also tells him that she wants to learn dust stepping which we find out is the signature move of the flying opera company which is the name of this little you know recti group of daofe uh they agree to teach her but she must first make an oath to become a daofe and you know driven by her need to wreck uh wreak vengeance on jinju she agrees to it even though rongi is like incredibly disappointed
0: yeah I also want to point out real quick. I know it wasn't in the show notes, but just a quick favorite exchange in this chat. One of my favorite exchanges in this chapter. Uh, Karima asks Ronki why she stuck with Kiyoshi and then Ronki says that she's honor bound. And then it's, Karima's like, nope, nope. You don't get to talk oh, about yeah. honor anymore. Stop talking about honor. I'm so sick of firebenders talking about fucking honor. Like she said that she heard a firebender blather on about honor. that She kicked him out of bed with both feet. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, the, oh my God, how could I miss that? The
0: joke. I appreciated that so much that his fan <laughs> service at its finest. Like, Mwah, delicious.
1: <laughs> that is really <laughs> I had to funny. point that out
0: real quick. It made me laugh. <laughs>
1: um, so they do the daffy init- initiation ceremony, and it's said that um, in regular circumstances, the initiates would stand over an arch of blades. And to compensate, they just had Wong hold a pocket knife over Kyoshi's head, which I just thought was funny. <laughs> um, and the Daofei also required an initiate to memorize and rec- and recite fifty four oaths, but Karima lets Kyoshi off with just three. And with each oath, Kyoshi, it like wonders to herself just how much of how much of an implication it would have on her path to vengeance. Like how much would this actually affect me? Cause she like, cause some of them are like, okay, I, I kind of already do this. So it's fine. But then the others are like, mm, that might be a problem. Um, But the, the big thing to note here is that she has no regard with how this will affect her spirituality. And I think it is interesting that <clears throat> only a couple of chapters ago, she was telling, Gaka that she would never become a dafe Ironic. Um, and now here she is, so.
0: Isn't it ironic?
1: <laughs> and on a character level, this is really interesting because this is a way for Kiyoshi to shed her old self and become this new person, which I feel like we have seen her doing in these past couple of chapters with being, you know, sassy and brash and, you know, more, um, more, I guess, uh, agile with her earthbending. Like, she's using it a lot more, like, I feel like, and she even says, like, she's not the girl from Yukoya anymore, you know? So I think this is this is a big moment for her character. Um, Absolutely. So, so after the initiation, we find out that Wong knows how to use her Metal War fans, and he sort of takes them, before, uh, performs a song and dance, and it's described that, like, it's, it's a dance, but it could also, she could, Kiyoshi could see how it could also be used, like, in a fight um which is like it's also very you know the firebender the dragon dance from avatar 2 um and three. so kiyoshi is is really enamored by this performance and she asks how they learned it and karima explains that hark her father was an actor from the royal theater school in bossing say and that they have to be able to perform to have a cover in the cities that they visit which is why they call themselves the flying opera company um so they can all do these like you know acrobatic things to like you know maintain their cover so cool <laughs> yeah very uh, I mean we. I feel like we haven't talked too much about these characters, but they are very eccentric. You know, like it's very like yeah.
0: yeah what a, what, a, what an interesting ragtag group of people they got here. Like That's
1: what I keep thinking of that word ragtag. ragtag like it tiger. very much is. Like
0: I I don't know. I'm it's ragtag,
1: in- but it's also like it's a it's like a a wonky like found family sort of thing.
0: Okay, we are both queer people, and we're suckers for found family tropes. So just so yeah. just so you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. So unsurprisingly, Lek is not amused and uh, refuses to acknowledge Kiyoshi as kin as he is beholden to by his dafé Oath. Um, so I thought, okay, is this going to be a problem? Because it says in the oath that you like have to recognize other Dalfian members as your own family and like refuses to do that but no one really says anything about it so we'll see and then uh um, so,
0: well she says something <clears throat> like well it looks like you're gonna have to accept me as you know if we're gonna keep working together you're gonna have to accept me as part of your stupid outlaw family like something like that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah um so they saddle up on ping ping and make a plan to try and find jobs near the mountains outside bouncing say um lek asks them if they stole ping ping from a friend and kiyoshi lies and says yes um and all it does is remind her of her mission to enact revenge of the person who killed her friend Kelsong. And they take off and Kiyoshi looks around and suddenly realizes that Lauka is not with them. And that ends. is where the chapter ends.
0: The cliffhanger. <laughs>
1: I love how they're just like constantly forgetting about him too. <laughs> like I, he's not he's not mentioned once in this chapter until the very end. So that's the end of our episode recap. You want to take us into Phantom Corner?
0: Absolutely. So this week's Phantom Corner we get from a screen rant article about Avatar and World War Two. So the show opens up with a backdrop as a long war, which we know in the canon as a hundred years war, uh, which was started by the Fire Nation. Um, for whatever we know for what we know about the war, it was brutal and pretty much everyone in the world was involved in it in some capacity. There's also the wiping out of entire people, the airbenders and the fire nation was clearly shown to be more technical technologically English advanced than the other nations. Uh, According to one theory, it's because the hundred years war was modeled after world war II, and the fire nation refers to Germany, a relatively small but militaristic nation that wanted to subjugate all other nations by expansion and conquest. We also see quite a bit of propaganda taught in Fire Nation schools in third se- excuse me in the third season of the show which is like the propaganda used on citizens in Nazi Germany which fascinating and I can agree with that.
1: Yeah. I I never really thought about it in terms of like World War 2 but mm-hmm. I mean if it, it, the shoe fits you know exactly. I mean <clears throat> I think we we also get caught up about how I feel like the Fire Nation mirrors America more than it does World War 2 Germany. Um, we can,
0: I'm, honestly, <laughs> we need to have a whole a separate episode for this, though. Like, are we, oh, we are we the Fire Nation? <laughs> like, that should be like. No, yeah, we
1: have we have that. Yeah, that, that's in right, our... we
0: do. But that uh, that's yeah. gonna be a definitely interesting episode. So stay tuned for that for topic episodes and get back into those. But definitely an interesting theory. I can definitely. I mean, the evidence is there. Um, mm-hmm. You know.
1: I mean, the Fire Nation is just short of burning books. You know, like, they also. I mean, maybe the equivalent is like they. They don't really, I mean, I was going to say they, they don't encourage, like, any arts like they don't dance but they also have that weird music okay, thing the footloose episode right the, footlo- <laughs> the footloose episode um but yeah this is a really really interesting i never again i never really thought about it until now so
0: there you have it and that's our fandom corner for the
1: week yeah so if you would like to support us in the show while also receiving some amazing benefits and exclusive content again we are available at patreon.com slash the avatar hour podcast however if you're not able to support us by way of monthly donations please consider subscribing to us for free on your podcast platform of choice and maybe even leaving us a review
0: and if you want to get in touch with us to send in feedback about the show or send in some content for fandom corner or even memes we love memes uh you can follow us on our social media channels on facebook and instagram we are at the avatar hour podcast twitter you're at avatar hour
1: and if you'd like to follow us personally you can find me on twitter at hey it's underscore andre and
0: you can follow me on twitter at kayla underscore underscore gagman cool
1: so yeah we are officially halfway through the book
0: crazy we're really burning through this yeah
1: so we've got we've got about like four more episodes until we finish the book so next week we'll be talking about chapters 17 through 20 so that's gonna be really fun i'm sure a lot will happen as has been happening it's like a snowball it's like
0: a snowball just getting bigger and bigger as it goes along i am really excited to learn more about the uh flying opera company like learning more mm-hmm. about each of them uh what sort of hijinks they get up to uh, yeah, you know something inevitably will go wrong. It's gonna be great. I am very excited to read the next part.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm fully expecting for some sure shoes to show up at the worst possible moment. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. My name's Andre, and I'm Kayla. Bye, everyone. Thanks. See you next Bye. week. Bye. Thanks for listening.